Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Parmin Sadiq. Parmin is a high school student in Kingston, Ontario. She's done a number of incredible achievements in spite of her young age. She's been working for Superposition, an international nonprofit organization aimed at empowering young women in STEM. She's been involved with super, in Superposition for the past five, or sorry, the past year. Wow, not five years. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, that'd be a little impressive. Um, <laughs> Parman has done research into stem cells and is an active advocate in the domain. Although I believe we may have slightly different opinions on the ethics surrounding stem cell research, that's totally okay. Um, and I'm absolutely thrilled to have a discussion today to talk about the topic. I'll be um, including Parman's link tree in the description as well, um, as well as to any links of the works um, first, which we discussed today. Um, as I mentioned, Parman's a high school student, so I hope having her on the podcast today will provide other high school students um, listening perhaps some motivation, encouragement to pursue a research area of interest as I can very much tell stem cells are to Parman. Um, I look forward to an exciting conversation and welcome to the podcast, Parman. Thank you so much for having me. It's really, uh, it's really great to see um, young people such as yourself um, participating in research. It, it really gives me a lot of hope for, for, for um, for that for this generation right i mean i'm a student myself right i'm um i'm probably probably i don't know you said you were 15 right so i'm mm -hmm. about i'm about four years ahead of you so not that far but also um and i'm glad I'm, I'm glad to see our generation having this level of, of enthusiasm over research it's really exciting <laughs> thank you so Let's start off with some with some research questions, just general research questions. Um, what what's got you into research? What 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 excites you about research? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I guess um, my journey started about a year ago now, in September of 2020, and um, I joined a program called the Knowledge Society or TKS, and that's for students who are really interested in STEM in general and uh, want to explore it beyond school. And that's where I was introduced to stem cells and just research in general, and I can't quite say what it is, but every time I tried to explore a different topic, I kept coming back to stem cells and cell biology as a whole. It just really excited me, and um, this sounds cliche, but it ignited a fire within me, just made me excited to wake up in the morning and keep working on projects. So that's um, how I knew that this was the right field for me to pursue. I'm, yeah, that's about similar with me, you know, getting involved, is, it's hugely important, especially as young people, right, to get involved in those sorts of initiatives. Um, and yeah, so that, that sounds like a really awesome initiative. Um, and, and, and you're right, it, it's almost like a, like a calling to some extent, right? Um, and, and I think that's probably something that people, something that I found at least, and I don't know if you agree with it, but people who are, are looking for a field that, that's of interest to them, my advice typically is, you know, if you don't, you might not know it right away, but just give it a try, right? It doesn't hurt, right? Like, I mean, as a computer scientist, I've written I've written a paper on like like the most psychological things that just aren't computer science, and you're just like, wait a second, what? Um, so like, it's totally fine to do research that's out of your realm. It's totally cool, right? If you're like in university right now, kids in university, and they're say they're studying, I don't know, like like um, biology, and they want to do some research into like I don't know, like trying to think of the most opposing things possible, like nuclear science, I don't know, go for it, right? Even though I guess those aren't really that far apart. Um, <laughs> with like old radiation tech, anyways. Um, 
just a question for you, because this is kind of something that popped into my mind. You were in, you've been in Ontario high school, the, the Ontario school system for um, your whole time thus far, I'm assuming? Um, yeah, just about. Okay, sounds good. Um, so what are your, what are your thoughts on the Ontario high school system in terms of, um, I guess what I'm getting at is, is do you think that, that it's effective? Do you think that student, would you, like, I guess my, my question would be, would you encourage students to do something similar to what you did? Or do you think that something more systemic is needed where, for example, maybe high school should be incorporating more, um, STEM research into, or promoting more STEM research in the schools themselves? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it's a bit of both. I personally um, think I'm pretty well suited to the uh, school system, but it really depends on the person. We all have really different learning styles. And so, um, for example, again, personally, um, I found that with online learning, that worked pretty well for me. Of course, the circumstances that led us to that was absolutely terrible, but um, the learning itself was effective for me. And I was able to keep up just doing individual work. But I know for some people that was complete completely ineffective. So um, a hybrid model that combines the two, I think would be the best future that gives everyone an opportunity to learn in the way that they need to. For sure. I agree 100%. Um, yeah, I went through on the Ontario high school system and I actually ended up starting a, a nonprofit organization myself to, to try and mentor kids in, in similar type of thing, right? Um, I'm also working for the STEM fellowship now. I just got a position. So if anyone, uh, wants uh you know anyone's interested if you're interested in participating in the um the any of the high school competitions that we're hosting go for it right or the undergrads mm -hmm. go for it right um i just have to, to boost them now sorry <laughs> um so i think my next question for you and i ask everyone this and it always takes them aback and it'll take you a second to think of an answer and that's fine um so the question itself is okay, but it's the add-on that gets people. So my question is, what advice would you give to someone, say, in your situation, or just a young person in general, um, or if you want to make it more specific to your work with superposition, perhaps a young, young women in general, um, who are interested in STEM research, um, but here's the stipulation, it has to be something that you think they've never heard before mm -hmm. okay um i think i think i do have an answer uh, so yeah in the academic or in academia in general um there's a lot of you know behind the scenes work and then after a few years you get your paper out so a lot of people don't see that behind the scenes but uh what i found works really well for me is actually learning in public and um even if i'm working on a research paper that's going to come out later um, I like writing blog posts on Medium that simplifies topics I'm learning about. And this learning in public has been both effective for, you know, being able to show this to researchers and saying that, you know, I've done some work and I know what I'm talking about and also for my own learning. So, for example, right now I'm working on um, an article or a blog post about yes associated protein. And to really understand what was behind that, I um, had to go all the way back to transcription and all of that and get the basics down. Because if you want to be able to teach it to someone else, you have to fully understand it first. So, yeah, that'd be my advice. Well, that's what's interesting about research that people don't really grasp. It's sort of like a it's almost like you're walking a tightrope to some extent because you're you're learning something. 
while you're researching, you're, you're learning. That's what, that's what it is, right? But you're also teaching at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you're learning things and you're teaching things. And it, it, I think that's why professors make such good teachers and why they are, you know, the, the teachers of, of, of the world is because, you know, of like the university systems are because they're, um, they do research and they understand how to sort of think through things with other people, which is a really unique skill set, I think. It's a really cool skill set. Um, also, for anyone listening, um, I will be linking to Parmin's link tree, which has her medium um, on there. It also has a bunch of, um, what was it, like a portfolio, which is really well done. Um, so take a look at that um, if anyone's interested. Um, definitely really great t- content. I did read through some of it. Um, it's been a crazy week for me, but I, I did read through some of it. So I made sure to get as much as I could. Um, that was a really good answer, though. That was that was very much. It's interesting because every time I talk to somebody, they always say a different answer. Nobody ever gives <laughs> me the same answer, and it's so cool because you know you're going to hear people who are traditionally going to say like you know um, you got to study for this many hours a day, or you have to like really motivate yourself, and it's like well they've heard that before, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like everyone knows that, right? You're not adding anything. So I think, yeah, that's a, that's really cool. That's a really good way to put it. So let's, um, in that case, let's move on to talking about your paper. Um, actually, you know what? Let's not. So I do have a few more questions on research. I'm a little bit disorganized today. I'm sorry. <laughs> no so what when you're doing research? How do you um, determine if a source is good? Because people, anyone can publish anything, right? How do you know that what you're reading and what's your thing is something that you can cite as a fact? Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah, again, a really good question. And I think I fall into the trap of thinking anything that you know, on PubMed or has um, a pub or has been published in a publication is you know all good. So um, I guess the first thing is to make sure that the publication is uh, peer reviewed. So that's that's a really big thing because it gives you that layer of extra reviewing. And another one is looking at reputable journals. So for example, in the stem cell field, there's cell stem cell, there's stem cell reports, all of those. If I see that a paper is there, I know that it's reputable. And then also looking at the number of citations and seeing, you know, if a lot of other scientists have looked at it, but that one can also be a bit tricky because some controversial papers that are wrong have been cited a lot. So you have to be careful about that. Yeah, it's a little bit tough. It's, it's interesting. I don't know. I, I find it, I've been working recently on an algorithm, again, low computer science but an algorithm to peer review without peers, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. just like to peer review automatically. Um, and it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of neat, it's mind bending in that sense, right? Um, it's really cool stuff, but yeah, um, peer reviews are, are huge in that aspect and citations, again, it could just be, you know, like like you said, it could just be a controversial paper, right? Mm-hmm, um, yeah. Like, you know, how many times have you been read? Have people read through a paper and you're, you're reading it and you're like, wait a second, this person says like um, they give like a paragraph on like a a system of of whatever, you know, on like a concept, and then the next paragraph they say this system's been deprecated for the past like 50 years, and, like you know, nobody uses this anymore, and you're like, oh, well, that kind of ruined that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that's definitely, yeah, you can cite things, but 
they may not be true. Um, yeah, that that's a that's a good point. So how? Yeah, so so you. Sorry, I'm just thinking here. You went some. Um, what was the organization called that you um, that you joined? Um, in terms of to, to do your research, what, what was that organization? It was an acronym, I can't recall. Mm -hmm. uh, the Knowledge Society or TKS, that's more just for, you know, getting you started um, with, you know, any, it doesn't have to be research. A lot of people go on to make startups, so it just gives you like some basic skills, yeah. Makes sense. And so um, what sort of, um, this is kind of a dual question, but I think you can answer them both equally. What sorts of skills have you learned through the TKS? And what sorts of skills, if somebody say wasn't going to the TKS and they were just Googling, um, what sorts of things should they be Googling? What sorts of skills should they be learning? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think one big one was learning about learning in public, like I mentioned before, and uh, putting out content all the time so that you're forced to teach yourself things. And I think people can learn this without the program as well, though, you know, there you get some supports and you get that push to uh, get started. But um, like I said, just start a Medium account, which is a blogging platform and start writing about whatever you're passionate about. Uh, make sure to set your sources. And then if someone actually finds something that's wrong with it, they can comment and help you grow from there. And then something else that I've been doing is uh, making YouTube, uh, videos on YouTube. And again, that's where I'm simplifying some stem cell topics. And that's been super helpful, too. You can do that without the program. Just get started, make an account, start making a video. Don't worry about you know having a fancy camera. You can just use your phone. So yeah, I think a lot of these barriers that we think are there, I mean, obviously, a lot of them are real. But some of them are just in our minds. And we have to overcome that by just saying, you know, I'm going to get started today. So. This, sorry, I just thought of a good one. That's a, that's a good answer. But um, how you are in a very, you're, you're interesting because you're in a very controversial field, right? You're in a very controversial field, um, especially like especially among academics. It's not, it, it's there's a lot of controversial topics, a lot of controversial papers. Um, how do you deal with something that seems so huge and so difficult and so controversial as a young person? How, how, how do you go about that? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to um, argue back with you a little bit there and say it's not super controversial anymore. Um, I know sure. embryonic stem cells were a huge thing um, a couple, I think, like about a decade ago or so. and But we've moved um, away from that a lot in the past a few years. And so uh, embryonic stem cells, for those of you who don't know, are pluripotent stem cells, which means they can turn into any of the 200 cells in the adult body. And so obviously that has a lot of applications for both developmental biology and also for studying diseases, drugs, all of that. Uh, but now there's these things called induced pluripotent stem cells, which actually came around in around 2006, 2007. And that's where you can take any somatic cell, so that's a cell from the adult body, and turn that back into a pluripotent stem cell that can turn into all cell types. And that's what a lot of researchers are using now. So I think that's helped take, uh, take away some of the controversy. So essentially what you're doing in that case is, I guess, like taking some sample out of the body, turning it into another type of cell, reinserting it somewhere else, and then that cell would, say, regenerate through natural means, right? Yeah, a lot of the cells that are used are fibroblasts so from your uh, skin, so it's not like a big deal, no big operation or anything. Makes sense. That's really cool. Yeah, so that's, I guess, a, a, that is less controversial. So thanks for the, the explanation.
Um, in that case, let's move on to your paper now. Now that I've, um, you know, tried to exhaust our our little pre-conversation there, um, using T cells to improve weakened immune systems in space and on Earth. Um, walk me through it. Walk me, walk me, and walk someone who knows nothing about stem cells through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So this is actually um, one of the things I've worked a little bit less on, and it was for. Um, a hackathon of sorts. So that's where we had about two days to come up with an, any idea in a team. And that was actually during TKS. And so we decided to take a look at weakened immune systems in space. That's a um, huge problem. And so this might not be um, like the best explanation ever just because I'm a little rusty on this. It was a few months ago. Um, but the idea is basically you take uh, hematopoietic stem cells, that's blood stem cells, and progenitors, which are like stem cells, but they are less limited in their um, ability to differentiate or specialize into cell types. And those are placed in 3D platforms made of titanium carbide quantum dots. So that those are tiny, um, that's from like nanotechnology, and that's in injected into the patient. Then the stem cells and progenitors, they carried inside the body to the bone marrow. And from there, the stem cells differentiate or specialize into T cells, which are necessary for your immune system. And then the progenitors ensure that there's no risk for graft versus host disease, which is where your body essentially starts fighting itself because it thinks there's something foreign there. And um, then the T cells help strengthen the immune system. And um, yeah, that's kind of a brief overview. That's a, that's a great overview. Um, so, all right, so, so let's, let's break this down a little bit. So what's, let's start with the, the problem. Why, why usually with hackathons, I don't think they're typically quite prescribed in terms of topic. They're usually broadly prescribed, but not specific. Um, what got you, like, what, what did you, was there a problem that you saw, um, you know, I mean, I've, I've never really heard of, of weakened immune systems um, in space. How, like, what are some of the stats on that? Do you know anything? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm going to actually, good? yeah, attribute this to Allison and Divya, which were my teammates, and they've done a lot of work uh, with space technology, and so they knew about this. Um, and I think one statistic we found was about 60% of astronauts on longer international uh, space station missions, they experienced latent high, um, herpes virus reactivations, and that was because of their weakened immune system. So finding that stat um, inspired us to take a look at uh, the problem a little more deeply and find out what was going on. And then digging into, you know, knowing that, knowing that I like stem cells, looking at how we could combine the two. Yeah. And so is this a, is this like a, a persistent issue when they get home or does it, do they recover from this weakened immune system? Does their immune system strengthen? Um, as far as I know, it does recover to some extent, but obviously it is a problem in space. Makes sense. Yeah. Cause you want, well, you want, we want our astronauts to be as, as um, strong as possible, not like physically strong, but but just healthy as possible, right? Mm -hmm. um, when they're out there. And so, yeah, that is a huge issue. Um, so then what exactly is a T cell? Let's, let's go there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's um, a type of immune cell that helps uh, fight against, um, you know, um, your, that helps fight as along your immune system when something goes wrong in your body. Okay, makes sense. Um, and so, so essentially, you're using the. Sorry, I'm just I'm just in thought here. Um, 
So the 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 T cells, because again, I'm sorry, I'm not a biologist. Um, how do those how do those T cells relate to the stem cells? Are they they're, they're distinct? Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so hematopoietic stem cells are blood stem cells, and so they are kind of a step above T cells in the food chain, if you want to think about it like that, or I guess food chain doesn't really make sense, <laughs> but they are above them. And so they differ at these hematopoietic poetic stem cells can differentiate or specialize into T cells, but they can also specialize into a bunch of different things. So the environment plays a factor there in helping it differentiate into T cells. So it would essentially be like in my analogy of say, um, you know, we, we said you, you would get it off the skin um, and then you would use that cell um, that would become one of the, I believe the word used was induced pluripotent. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you, it would become one of those and then it would from there go into say a T cell to help out the immune system. That's the mm -hmm. idea. Yeah, essentially. Okay, essentially is good. Um, <laughs> yeah, my um, my uh, my biology my my biology knowledge stops at about grade ten science, so <laughs> it's a little bit lacking there. But I'm I'm happy to have the conversation. Um, oddly enough, I've spoken to like more people in the biology area than I have in like my computer science area, which is kind of neat. Um, anyways. So what's, um, where do you go from there? Where do, where do you go from this paper? What's, um, like, have you, have you continued any research? Where would somebody who was interested continue on this research? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say, yeah, so this is a pretty new field. And um, so we were, the reason we didn't continue too much with this was because we wanted to make sure that we're, you know, promoting something that actually does make sense and is feasible. And so we found that it, it wasn't the most feasible at the moment right now with the technology that we have. So we've moved on, but I think maybe in the future we could come back once we know a little bit more about how all this works. Makes sense, makes sense. So um, take a few minutes, tell me about, Actually, you know, take as much time as you want and tell me about um, your favorite research that you've done. Okay, this might take a second. Um, That's hmm. fine. I guess this isn't necessarily something that I like written papers about, but something that I really love reading about um, in my free time is totipotency. So a few minutes ago, I told you about pluripotency, which is where uh, the cell can turn into any of our um, adult cell types. And totipotent stem cells can actually turn into any cells. So your zygote, that's when the egg is fertilized, um, that's totipotent. So it means it can turn into all your body cells as well as all the extra embryonic stuff like a placenta. And so in the stem cell community, there's been a lot of talk about whether we can actually create totipotent stem cells um, for studying, because you know we don't necessarily want to be using those zygotes, and there's yeah, there's a lot of controversy there because people have different criteria for what defines a totipotent stem cell. But as of right now, by the most stringent definition, we haven't quite gotten there. It's it's a really interesting field, though. That is interesting. So um, you're young, but but what are your what are your thoughts on either some research that you'd like to do or some research that you'd like to see done? Um, maybe give me like a, a like one year, five year, ten year, like fifty year. Like what sort of timeline are we looking at, right? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I guess in the one year, um, I'd love to continue to see the development of organoids, uh, which are essentially, you know, uh, 3D models of cells or or organs. They're not quite organs yet. We're not quite there yet. But um, it's where uh, multiple cell types can actually come together to create these organoids for us to study uh, diseases from and also test drugs on. So I think that's a really burgeoning field and it's really interesting to look at. And we're getting more and more types of organoids. Um, like every week or every month. And so I'm really watching out for that. And I guess five year, maybe more about this totipotency stem cell uh, field and seeing whether we can actually create totipotent stem cells or if that's just not a possibility. And um, 10 year, that one's a bit tough. Um, I guess maybe just waiting to see more stem cell therapies approved. Uh, right now, one that I'm really looking at um, is one by Blue Arc Therapeutics, and the, their first uh, phase one clinical trial is happening right now, and they're taking dopaminergic neurons, and those are the neurons involved in Parkinson's disease, and uh, they're inserting those back into the brain to see if they can see an improvement, and they, they have seen that in rats and mice, and so they're doing it with humans right now, so that's really exciting. Awesome. That is, that is phenomenal. Um, it's, it's cool because, like, I think that's a neat thing about biology is that it it deals very specifically with with us as human as humanity as humans I don't know what I was trying to say there um, I just both said humans um, it's not quite right but yeah humanity or humans um, it, it really sort of yeah it, it's it's neat in that regard like like compared to a lot of other scientific fields which feel very um sometimes they can be a little bit abstracted or perhaps not have quite as direct of an impact right the thing with with um with biology is that people are dying like people die right it's it's a fact of life um and so perhaps we can look into that right like that's 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 kind of like you know that might be a good thing to look into um you know i've been i've been doing a lot of thinking about um uh none of the biological aspects of course but um a lot on the the idea of um say more um what, what word should i use like biological enhancements type of a situation um and it almost is sounding to me like like from our conversation so far i mean i don't know much about it but it feels like stem cells might be an interesting approach to to achieving something like that Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. And it's also interesting to me because, like, as a, I think a lot about AI as well. And so it's interesting to me to think about um, a little bit about, like, what sort of, um, how do I want to phrase this? To think about ways that we could make AI more similar to human. Um, and so perhaps, perhaps like you were saying, developing um, organoids, essentially at some point, I, I'm assuming that what you're referring to is that we might be going towards developing organs, full organs, right? Um, I would imagine that's like a, a, a future, futuristic sort of um, uh, idea, but, but then the question becomes is, how human can we make computers, right? Um, I find that interesting. Mm -hmm. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's um, let's shift gears a little bit. To I have a um, 
I think I have a, a good paper that sort of does a bit of an overview of your um, uh, of your research. It's just a PowerPoint titled "Stem Cells." Um, I'm not sure if there's many PowerPoints titled "Stem Cells" in your portfolio, but um, yeah. So so let's um, let's break or let let's um, let's break this down a little bit. Um, I have a diagram of the the Waddington Waddington Waddington. I think it's um, Waddington, yeah. Waddington, okay, cool. Um, the Waddington landscape. Um, ex could you explain that a little bit? Someone who does not know biology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So this is um, a way of looking at the differentiation of stem cells um, or specialization, as I've mentioned. So to go back a little bit, stem cells have two criteria they need to fulfill, as I've been mentioning, differentiation and being able to self-renew um, consistently or continuously. And so the Waddington landscape, if you think about it um, in kind of a 3D way, it has lots of different valleys that are going down. And so the stem cell at the very top would be could, could be pluripotent, so that's the one I mentioned, can turn into our uh, cell types. And then as it rolls down the hills, it becomes more and more specialized. And then when it gets to the bottom, Theoretically, we didn't think it could go back up and become pluripotent again, but as I mentioned with induced pluripotent stem cells, the marbles, if you want to think of them like that, can kind of roll back up again. So do the, do, do the, does the pluripotent stem cell change functionality um, based on where it comes from? Or is it just constant like if i if we got like a, a neuron in this case turning into a pluripotent stem cell and then you compare that to say like reprogrammed into a pluripotent stem cell and then you have say i don't know some other kind of cell some other um some other cell turning back into a pluripotent stem cell um is there a noticeable difference um i not too sure about that. I'm going not to sure. go with no, but I don't think like neurons and cells like that are used too much uh, for that purpose just because they are harder to access. For sure, for sure. That that totally makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah, not 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 that the specifics especially matter. Um, and that's totally fine. I mean, you know, you're a high school student. I can't expect much. <laughs> I, I shouldn't say I can't expect much from you. I can't expect that much from you if this is a difficult um, topic in stem cell research, and evidently I don't know. So, um, yeah, so, so then we go on to the next slide, but reprogramming isn't perfect. Um, can you explain that a little bit? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, a lot of the research I started with was about um, problems that do exist with reprogramming, and so, there's a couple of different papers. Again, some people dispute this, so I'm not gonna say this is like 100% correct. There is definitely some variety. And indisplayer potent stem cells are essentially the same, but there are a few differences that some people have found. So for example, a few papers have found there that epigenetic memory stays along with when, even when cells are reprogrammed. And so epigenetic memory is essentially, if you think of your DNA, um, all of your cells have the exact same DNA, but you know, your eye cell is obviously di different than your liver cell. And that is because of epigenetics, because there's things called histones and different proteins that um, your DNA wraps around and then certain parts become inactive. And so only the parts that are active are read and transcribed and then turned into proteins. So in order to become fully reprogrammed, that epigenetic memory of what the cell used to be needs to be fully erased. And that's been sometimes a bit of a challenge, though it's um, essentially gone at this point. All right, yeah, that's, um, that makes sense. 
um, a little bit for, for, for me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, let's, um, do you have, do you have some research that you'd like to, to share about some, something that you've done? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So something I'm working on right now, I mentioned the uh, Parkinson's treatment with dopaminergic neurons. So I've been writing a viewpoint paper about that um, over the last few months and about, you know, what could be the ultimate treatment for Parkinson's disease. So that's something I've been looking a lot at with the Blue Rock Therapeutics and also the use of senolytics for Parkinson's treatment. So senolytics are these small molecules that um, target senescent cells and kill them. And senescent cells um, are also sometimes called zombie cells. And they're these cells that are no longer proliferating and they're not contributing to, to the body, uh, but they're also not undergoing apoptosis or cell death. And so they do have some benefits, but they cause a lot of age, uh, aging-related diseases. And so um, some papers have linked senescence in both astrocytes, which are supporting brain cells, and neurons, and have found that using these synolytics can help um, get rid of some of the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. So yeah, I think that's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, this is like, honestly, you, you've done a lot of research for a, for a high school student. <laughs> Um, it, it's frankly quite, um, uh, it's, it's extremely impressive. So, um, keep up, um, the good work on that. That's yeah. Amazing. Um, so let's, in that case, let's, um, let's move on to the closing part here. Um, we are kind of, uh, going pretty quick, so that's fine though. Um, what sort of, um, let me think here. Um, so, I mean, we can we can go off of. Um, first off, how how far are you into the the Parkinson's research? Are you close to being done? Or are you just getting started? Um, I'm close to being done, though it is a pretty short paper. Um, I'm at, it's oh. actually uh, one of the challenges from the uh, STEM fellowship. So, um, yeah, the viewpoint challenge. And so that's been pretty exciting to work on. And it's only 1500 word article. So it's not going too, too deep, but I'm almost done that. So I'm hoping to get that out there pretty soon. That's awesome to hear. Um, so, so let's go with that then. Um, I always like asking a few questions, examining one of the things a little bit abstractly. Um, so, so I guess my, my first question for you would be, um, is, first off, is there any um, specific reason why you went after Parkinson's? We should, we should do that. Is there mm -hmm. any specific reason why, why Parkinson's? Why not any other aging-related disease? Like you said, the, um, this semo, senolytics, is that, am I getting that Senolytics, right? yeah. Um, is more um, related to aging, right? It, it deals with many aging-related um, illnesses. Why Parkinson's? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I guess um, before I answer that, I'm going to say a lot of my research has been about the cell biology and uh, more of that aspect, which a lot of people can't relate too much to. So with this, I wanted to make sure I look at a disease so it's you know more concrete for people to understand the benefits of the research that I'm doing, I guess, and to be able to talk about it a little more easily. But Parkinson's specifically, um, it's just been a disease that I actually haven't looked at too much before. And so I wanted to challenge myself to look at something new. And, you know, it's a really big ne neurodegenerative disease, but it's something I didn't know too much about. So I wanted to expand my knowledge that way. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, 
sort of finding like adjacent sort of directions. Um, it's interesting because sometimes when you're young, you have a, <laughs> I shouldn't say that I'm young. Um, when, you, when you're young, um, you have like a sort of idea, you have an idea of where you want to go, right? But you don't have an idea of what you want to do, right? Like, you know, you have enough knowledge to say like, you know, when I go to university, I want to take this program, right? But you don't typically have enough knowledge to say like, this is what I want to do my PhD um, dissertation on, right? Like, mm -hmm. you, you generally don't have enough specificity to have an idea of that. Um, and so I guess, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's interesting. And I think that's a good, a good idea for people who are interested in research is to sort of um, pick your area, pick one direction, and then branch off like you're doing, right, into say Parkinson's disease, something that's like adjacent, it's similar enough that you can do it, um, but it's challenging. It's not just doing the same thing over and over and over again, right? Mm -hmm. um, obviously research isn't quite like that, but it's it's more challenging than just doing a similar vein of research. Um, so then, yeah, so so you're you're quite a ways in. Um, what would you what would you if you were to to be given um, say if you were to be given a time machine and you could go back in time um, right now you'd go back in time and you could um, change something about the paper that you did you could you know you could because like when you're doing research you get to the end of it and maybe you're like hey I kind of wish I went that way instead right um, I kind of wish I looked into that because I think that might have been more interesting right um, where what would you have done on the, on the, on the, on the Parkinson's uh, the Parkinson's uh, paper mm -hmm. right right um, I guess this isn't something I wish I would have done just because I mentioned the word limit and so it's something I kind of had to cut out uh, but there is there was this uh, there was a potential for this one uh, Chinese herbal medicine to be also used in Parkinson's and there were a few papers um, who were showing that this was promising so I wish I'd gotten a chance to look a little bit more into that see if it's um, actually legit and if there is potential for it you know why isn't it widespread yet so yeah that's one thing I wish I would have looked more at um and then my other question for you would be, um, and it's kind of tied in there, and it might be the same answer, it might be different, I don't, it's up to you, but um, what's, let me see if I can phrase this right, sorry. Um, so what sort of, um, like typically papers have future areas of research, um, you know, whether they're a couple things at the end, whatever, you could look into this, um, if there was someone who was interested in building on your research once it gets published, right? We know that's a long process. Um, what's, um, what, what, uh, what future area of research would you suggest somebody looking into? What would you love to see someone, you know, build on your paper and go on to do research into? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So since this is a viewpoint, I suggest taking a combinatory approach to Parkinson's. So I mentioned senolytics and then also the Blue Rock Therapeutics cell therapy where you're um, injecting dopaminergic neurons into the brain. And the senolytics essentially get rid of that um, microenvironment where the dopaminergic neurons are dying and then the cell therapy um, adds neurons to it. So um, there hasn't been too much research combining both but there's been a lot of research in indiv the individual areas. So I'd love to see someone take a look at both of them and see if this is a feasible idea. 
that makes sense. Yeah, because in reality, um, things aren't always just one way. They're, they're often multiple things, like a, a combination of a bunch of things, like you said, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so then what was my other question I wanted to ask you? Um, oh, shoot. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Um, so somebody who's, who's wanting to do research, wanting to solve a real-world problem, something like Parkinson's, right? Um, but perhaps they don't know, like they're, they're interested in an area, say they're interested in like stem cell research, right? Um, but they don't, know, they don't know where they can apply that, right? How, where they can apply that. For example, you've applied it to Parkinson's, right? Um, how, how, do you, how do you come up with problems? How, how, how do you go about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I like usually looking at review papers um, and taking a look at ones that have talked about the applications of stem cells. And so from there, there's obviously regenerative medicine um, approaches and then lots of different diseases that are being worked on with stem cells. And so taking a look at something like that um, and then seeing that Parkinson's was something I wanted to learn more about. And that's just kind of how I picked. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, before we wrap up, is there any um, anything else you want to share with people? Any um, advice or any you know shout out to something or anything you want to do? Um, sure. Yeah. So I'm going to shout out my two favorite stem cell podcasts for anyone that's interested. Uh, there's the Stem Cell Podcast, and it's really good. They have amazing guests on, and they also do roundups of interesting stem cell papers. So it's good for both beginners and experts. And then uh, the Stem Cell Report with Martin Pera is another really good one. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. Thanks for your time today. Um, in that case, we'll uh, we'll wrap up. Um, thanks everyone for watching. Um, like I said, I will be leaving, I'll leave your, um, your LinkedIn and your link tree, um, in the description below. Um, as well as the, the, obviously we can't, I cannot post, I'm, I'm not going to post a link to, um, your, your Parkinson's work, but I will throw, um, the T cells for space, um, work and I will put the, the presentation that I referenced um, in there as well. Um, yeah, so thanks everyone for watching. That was um, a great discussion. Thanks for chatting with me. Thanks so much.